if you're going to run a business like this, you need a different business model than your peers because they've maximized the financial leg by beating it out of all their suppliers, their employers, and all that kind of stuff. If you want to create economic environmental and social value, you can't compete with the same model. So actually, if you want to find innovation, you actually have to look to the social ventures because if they're alive, it's because they're doing something different. Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Shalane, and we're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways. Bruce Taylor is a fellow of the Canadian Academy of Engineering and the founder of Enviro Stewards, a best-for-the-world classified B corporation. He's recipient of Global Compact Canada's Sustainable Development Goals Award and the only Canadian company to win a Global SDG Award. Bruce also founded the Safe Water Project in South Sudan that has won an International Globe Award and was featured in Be the Change magazine, Meta magazine, and a TEDx talk. Bruce, I'm so grateful that you're willing to join us today. Well, thank you. And thanks for putting yeah. this on. Oh, our pleasure. Bruce, we have been asking every guest in season two the question, what does it mean to thrive? So I thought we would start there and see what what would you say it means to thrive? Mm-hmm. So I guess sustainable development is a nice uh, way to discuss that, where what we'll be probably talking about today is kind of social ventures, which is kind of businesses that are set up to accomplish an environmental or social benefit. But in order to thrive, you need to look at your economic engine also. Mm. So typically a social venture, say like Enviro Stewards, we create more value for our customers than our peers, but mm. we haven't historically collected as much revenue as our peers. And so in order to thrive, we need to find a new business model different than our peers in order to, uh, the way I describe it to my employees is that money is blood. And so mm-hmm. your body needs to make blood to accomplish its mission. Mm-hmm. But the purpose of life isn't to make blood, right? Mm. So we mm-hmm. need blood to accomplish our corporate mission, but that's not why we're in business, right? And mm-hmm. so uh, we use it kind of in that setting. And so in order to thrive, you need enough financially to accomplish what you're doing. And there's mm-hmm. varying ways to do that or whatever, but you just need to keep that in mind, especially if you're pr- primarily interested in a social or environmental, um, uh, you need to recognize that uh, lacking the economic engine can hamper your ability to thrive or accomplish things. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about Enviro Stewards, because I suspect mm-hmm. we have some listeners who have not heard of your company. I know you've done work for Maple Leaf Foods, Campbell Soup, uh, Tim Hortons, many others, and you've won national awards because of that work. So what exactly do you do? What is the company? What Talk a little bit about sustainability engineering, if you would. Sure, yeah. So, Enviro Stewards is an engineering company. We started in 2000. Um, mm-hmm. I had worked for other multinationals for about 10 years before that and then got frustrated for a couple of reasons. Uh, one was I would take leaves of absence to do volunteer work and it didn't, wasn't a good fit for a normal historical company. But the other was to be able to focus on kind of preventing problems before they occur rather mm-hmm. than curing them afterwards. So, mm-hmm. As a consultant, as an engineer, I would make much more money curing a problem, building a big wastewater treatment plant, building air pollution control. If I modify the factory so it doesn't even pollute in the first place, then I make less money, but the company makes much more money, right? And so our model is based on that, where our paying work is to work for businesses across North America to help them be more efficient. 
So we use an integrated approach where we help them save water, energy, improve their product yields, okay. these kinds of things, avoid these problems. And that's how we get our revenue. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Maple Leaf Foods, we did 35 factories for them. And they're the first large food company in the world to be carbon neutral. Mm. Um, and for scope one, two, and three, your listeners may not know what that are, but basically scope one yeah. and two is what's under control of yourself. Scope uh-huh. three is what's outside of your control. And so we got them to neutral. Uh, well, they got to neutral, but we helped them uh, for mm-hmm. all those by modifying the factories to use less water, energy, lose less food as they're processing it. And that generated savings to pay for the rest of the footprint of those factories, plus their uh-huh. entire supply chain. So all the packaging, all the tractor fuel, fertilizer, whatnot, and have money left over. So again, anybody can get you to carbon neutral if you want to spend money every year. Uh-huh. But if you want to save money, then you need to select a different approach on how to get there. So that's our paying work. And okay. then we use that to we, 20% of between time and money is used in our development work where we teach people in East Africa mm-hmm. primarily how to build these water purifiers. Mm-hmm. So we teach them that, how to make these out of the local materials, how to run a business, how to sell the filters, how to make it self-supporting. And, mm. um, and then this... October, we're going to go back to help them get carbon credits from what they're doing by avoiding deforestation of boil water so that that could become their economic engine going forward. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really appreciate what you said there about using local product, teaching people, because we've just heard too many horror stories about Canadians or North Americans coming into a place, creating something, and then leaving product breaks down, aren't replacement parts, people don't know how to repair things. Sounds like you guys have given serious consideration to that. Mm-hmm. One of the best things is we had no money. So <laughs> <laughs> That blood? You were missing blood there it, for a it while? It was missing blood, so I, it couldn't come from me, right? Ah, and so okay. when we first went to South Sudan back in 2003, there was nobody wanting to investment. There was no charities operating because of the civil war that was going on at that mm. time. Uh, the Canadian government didn't want to invest it all in there. And so if it was going to work, it had to be self-supporting. And so they had mm-hmm. a very pressing need for drinking water. Half the patients in the hospital were there because of bad water, but it had wow. to be self-supporting. So we generated a structure that um, basically we help people understand how much they're spending on this unsafe water now. Hmm. So if you meet with somebody say, well, you know, I drank this water, my father, my grandfather, you know, why would I buy this thing? Right. right? Well, and I get water for free. Well, is it really yeah. free if you get sick, right? So we help them understand how much they've spent in the last couple of years. Mm. And then this thing's going to last 25 years. The average family there would save $1,000 over the life of the filter if they bought the filter. Mm. And so okay. the people who help them understand that, they get a sales commission if they do that. The other people get an uh-huh. order so that can be self-supporting kind of thing. And then if you can right. leave $1,000 in the family in poverty, you know, that's going to make yeah. a big difference in their lives kind of thing. Exactly. Well, and it's going to have an economic effect on the community, Mm-hmm. If that money is there to be spent in other ways as well. Exactly. Yeah. Sending kids yeah. to school, food, mm-hmm. what, you know, and, mm-hmm. and everything, all the money for the filter is actually invested in that community. So you're buying cement from the local shopkeeper, hiring somebody else okay. to smash rocks with a hammer, make gravel, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Now, did I catch you say that about 20% of your time energy is spent on international development work so financially i got between money and time it comes okay. to about 20 percent um okay and so b corp audits that every year also or whatever whenever we recertify but that's yeah how we've okay. been financing that i'm just curious now is that you personally or is your entire company or all, all your employees involved in that yep 
So it's the whole corporation okay. invests that amount of time and money. Now, different mm -hmm. ones to greater or less extent. So say like this October, I think three or four of my staff are going to come with me to Uganda okay. uh, work on this project. And so it's a great opportunity to get involved that way. But others might get involved with our annual awareness event we have this year. It's going to be in November or there's just so many different ways to get involved kind of thing. But again, mm -hmm. as you're mentioning before, the really the teaching is the main part. Mm. So we can go there and do, but that's not going to be helpful, right? Mm -hmm. If you are going to do, at least bring somebody with you and teach them to do it as you're doing it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, let's say you're doing some wiring, right? You're going to teach mm -hmm. somebody how to do that, but you're going to teach them to teach other people to do it as you're doing it, right? Right. right. Uh, whatever it's going to be, and that's what's going to stay. Mm -hmm. At Food for the Hungry, we're very familiar with that because we use that model of like mother leaders. So mm -hmm. our staff will teach 10 women, mm. say, how to prepare a particular meal that's nutritious for their family. And then those 10 women are taught to teach 10 women. And mm -hmm. so then that expands throughout the community. So that, that model of um, creating the ability to replicate and, mm -hmm. and have other people do it is um, that's sustainability at work. That's mm -hmm. great. And then the other fringe benefits, integrity, respect, right? Mm -hmm. That you can't get with a conventional model, right? Mm -hmm. You come in distributed stuff. Um, basically, people are buying that with their dignity, right? Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned the TED talk. When I'm inspecting filters, I can often tell whether the family bought the filter or whether it was provided for free. Okay, By tell me how, that, how do you see the difference? If I go and the wife is showing me how this water filter works and mm -hmm. the husband never comes by, he's back in the corner working on the garden, it was oh. probably bought for them. For them. If I go and the wife's showing me how it works and the husband barges in and pushes her aside and tells me how it works, hmm. he provided that for his family, right? Mm -hmm. And he's proud yeah, of that. And, so, and then they're more likely to use it. So when we do our inspections, if the, if the family bought it, it's very rare 99.9% .9 of the time they're using it when we go back to reinspect it, mm -hmm. right? If somebody's coming mm -hmm. by distributing stuff, it's very rare. You know, it's not very rare, but it's, often it's not used, right? Yeah. Because, right. hey, if you're handing these out, great, you know, but yeah. you don't have the buy-in. The buy-in, the, buy the ownership yeah. isn't there, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, Bruce, you mentioned at the beginning that you left a different corporate world. I'm curious if you would just share a bit of your journey. How has... How has the work in Enviro Stewards, how has it changed you and what changed within you to have you start doing work this way? Hmm. So I would say um, towards the end of university, so I took chemical engineering at Waterloo. So my mm -hmm. last year of university and first year afterwards, I was on a couple year journey of, you know, why are we on the planet? What's life about? These kinds mm -hmm. of bigger questions. And so after about a couple of years, I came to the conclusion that um, I, I should become a Christian. And so mm. then it was, am I going to quit this job? I was working for a consulting company at the time and go do ministry or something mm -hmm. like that. And I felt, mm -hmm. no, I had built a treatment plant for craft at the time. And it was, you know, beautiful, you know, from an engineering perspective, you know, it went from my mind uh -huh. to the drawings to start it and whatnot. But in 30 years, it's going to be gone, mm. right? And mm -hmm. 100 years, nobody's going to know it was ever built. Right. But the people who I was working with are going to be around forever. Mm. So any impact I had on a person is going to last forever, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, I felt to keep doing what I'm doing, but for a different reason. So basically, any, and so in that context, any job you have that interacts with people is a good job. 
Mm-hmm. So then I would take leaves of absence and do volunteer projects. And then uh, um, I would get penalized literally when I got back. Uh, you mm. know, smaller office every time, cut my pay 15%, whatnot, to kind of convince me not to do this stuff. And then eventually, mm. you know, my, my ladder's on the wrong wall. So why don't I create mm. an environment where myself or any of my staff could do both? Mm-hmm. Right. So how many engineering companies can you go to Uganda for a week and, exactly. you know, <laughs> right. And yeah. so, and even we've had people try to poach our employees before. Right. And Hey, we're doing the same thing, you know, leave there, come work for us. Right. Well, mm-hmm. actually, actually you're not doing the same thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and in this world, you know, if you can keep your employees, that's gold. Right. If it is. We send the same true. team to 35 Maple Leaf factories. Like nobody at Maple Leaf has even been to 35 factories which wow. gives you a wealth of knowledge that they can draw on even. If you want to do this mm-hmm. type of technology, you need to do it in Edmonton, right? Or mm-hmm. these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so that employee attraction retention is very key. And mm-hmm. having a strong purpose is really key to that. So anyway, mm-hmm. I started Investors just myself back in 2000. And we're up to about 18 people now, just kind of gradual, slow growth kind of thing. And it's okay. for people who want to do both technical and volunteer. Um, right, right. Yeah. So if I was to in- interview one of your employees... <laughs> Mm-hmm. What do you think they would say about why they stay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, feel free to interview any of them. Uh, be, yeah. Be great. <laughs> okay. But, uh, <sighs> I would say, um, you know, why do we work, right? So when I started Envira Stewards, it's why do people leave would be your work is trivial or you have a personality problem with somebody, probably your boss. Mm-hmm. So on the first, on the second one, what we do is we just work in kind of Matthew uh, where if you have a problem with somebody, go try and work it out. If that doesn't work, mm-hmm. bring somebody else in and whatnot, right? So that you can mm-hmm. work through those. Um, and then besides that, we do, every employee gets 24 hours of paid volunteer time. We do social things. We try for about once a month to do something um, at a company barbecue last week kind of thing or Habitat for Humanity last month, these kinds of things mm-hmm. where you're working together. Um, so that thing. And then we don't do projects that don't have an impact, so okay. say like in our field, there's a pretty good line of business to do environmental permits for air emissions and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. But you can literally find a thousand other companies to do it. And mm. really it's not making a lot of difference. It's just kind of a permit to pollute basically, right? Wow. So we would rather, how do we modify the process so it doesn't pollute in the first place? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, if, if we have an existing client we're doing other stuff with, we might do that also, but we don't kind of go after this type of work that doesn't sure. have an impact. And that's why if you look at kind of the projects we've done, it seems like we're, you know, so much larger than we are just because of the impact of not doing trivial work. You're focusing mm-hmm. your attention where you can make an impact. Mm-hmm. And back to what you said earlier about you're trying to prevent things rather than fix problems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, which, yeah. so it's more creative, right? We're not building. Mm-hmm. When we did those 35 maple leaves or we did 18 Bimbo Canada, which is kind of Canada bread mm-hmm. factories, none of the reports were the same. Even though they're the same type of factory or whatever, you know, because the opportunities are different. Okay. Right. Can you give an example? Yeah. What what would you mean by that? I'll say like um, Southbrook Winery in Niagara on the Lake. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, they had just had an energy audit before they hired us. Uh And the consultant before us said, okay, your lead gold, that's pretty good. Your next 5% savings is 20 year payback. Okay. Said, okay, which would mean they get their money back in 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. From the savings. Mm-hmm. So he said, okay, we're going to do solar panels then because it's seven-year payback. But mm-hmm. before they installed them, they hired us. We went in mm-hmm. and we said, actually, it's not a 20-year payback. It's a four-month payback. And it's not 5%. <laughs> it's 40%. Oh, 
Oh my goodness, we that's a radical it. We, difference. We saved 40% electricity and 40% of their gas. So he canceled one third of his solar panels because he didn't really need them anymore, which saved wow. half an acre of vineyard from getting covered with solar panels, which brought uh-huh. the payback to two months because of the wine you could sell from that half acre. And so the reason is because what we find is in our field, say like energy audits, what is an energy mm-hmm. audit? Mm-hmm. Those are both yeah, energy I, I audits. Know. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Tell right? me, what is an energy audit, Bruce? <laughs> exactly. So those, you know, if an energy audit is a report, then mm-hmm. both of those are energy audits. Okay. Right. But if but I'm, one the, is if I'm completely the owner useless. of the business, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Right. And if some, you know, if you don't find forty percent savings with a four month payback, right? Mm-hmm. Is it better to buy a cheaper audit? Right. So the the other audit mm-hmm. would have definitely been cheaper to buy, but more mm-hmm. expensive because it missed the opportunity. And the trouble is to find the opportunity, you have to spend more work there, mm-hmm. which makes you more expensive. So you automatically are priced out of the market. The only mm-hmm. way to do that is to give the same report to every winer you work for, the same uh, opportunities, okay. right? Right. Then you can do that the cheapest. Yeah. But it's at the highest cost if you miss it, right? So say like mm-hmm. one of the bigger ones at the South Park was the um, ventilation for their wine cellar. Mm-hmm. So just to give you an idea, so... We said, why do you have this big ventilation system? Well, the wine's got to be 17 degrees plus or minus half a degree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does the wine have to be that or the air? Uh, the wine. So we put a jug of water in the cellar with a mm-hmm. temperature thermocouple in it. Another one in the air beside it. Turn the system down 70%. The one mm-hmm. in the jug never moved because of the thermal storage of the wine. So we uh-huh. left it there, right? Which saved uh-huh. 70% of the uh, makeup air, and, you know, yeah. mostly electricity, you know. And it's quieter there because you don't have this big fan going at max all day long and that kind of stuff. And so, but to get into that type of thing, it's easy, you know, it's easier to sell an energy audit if you don't do that. Because every time you find something, you've got to write it up. If you mm-hmm. don't find anything, you don't have to write it up either, right? Mm-hmm. So the other mm-hmm. audit, when we finally saw it, it only had two recommendations in it. And they're probably the same two recommendations that have been made to a dozen other wineries. Mm-hmm. Right. So what I hear you saying is that the work you do is highly customized, mm-hmm. very specific to the the individual group that you're working with, and as a result, yields much more savings and benefit to the company. Exactly. Yeah, and because of that, then I need more higher skilled employees. Mm-hmm. So I have to keep them around. Yes. Right. You cannot so, afford employee yeah. turnover. Exactly, and so. Yeah. And we do what's called an integrated assessment, where we're not just looking at electricity or gas. We look at them all mm-hmm. at the same time. So electricity, gas, water, wastewater, toxic chemicals, whatnot. Because mm-hmm. the environmental commissioner interviewed me in a thing, and it's on our website if you like. But basically, imagine a wall fan, right? So mm-hmm. this is a company they're making solvent, and they distill it, they distill solvent for Ford, Chrysler, Toyota, whatnot, like paint solvent, right? Like you use mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. And so they had a wall fan. And so, if you only did energy efficiency, you'd get them a better fan or get a heat exchanger to get some of the heat back. Mm-hmm. But instead, we used our meters and we found that 3,000 ppm was coming from a specific tank into the air. Okay. So, we sealed that tank, vented it through a condenser, condensed the solvent so they can sell mm-hmm. the solvent. Now, it's not solvent's not in the air, so you don't need the wall fan. Okay. So, you see how they're all kind of tied together? But I do. most people don't um, look at it, right? 
Right. And what I love about this is one of the workshops that I lead is the Ending Poverty Together workshop. And the key takeaway that I hope people get is what is the root cause of poverty? Mm -hmm. And what Mm -hmm. you're describing here is exactly the same kind of principles. Are we putting a Band-Aid on a symptom or are actually getting to what the root cause of the issue is here? Mm -hmm. It's such a practical example of that. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And and on the root cause of poverty, like you'll see in the TED talk, I mentioned like, what is poverty? Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask a Canadian what poverty is, 99% of the time you get an answer, it's a lack of money or stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, if you're going to solve poverty, then it's money and stuff. Right. But if you ask somebody who's actually in poverty, you can answer like, I'm powerless to change my situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm treated like garbage. Mm-hmm. Free money and stuff doesn't help that. It actually hurts that. Yeah. It right, and so, it. Yeah. so we're we have a wrong understanding of what poverty is, so therefore our solutions are all wrong, mm-hmm. right? And so that's mm-hmm. why I went to the bother of making that TED talk because, you know, the problem isn't in Africa; mm-hmm. it's in our heads here. Mm-hmm. Yes, we could spend another three hours talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I understand that you are effectively giving your company away, your company away to your employees. Uh, uh, what no, does that uh, actually look like? Oh, actually, I'm not. I'm selling it to them. You're selling it to them. Okay, yep. tell me. Yeah, so it's called an ESOP, uh, Employee Share Ownership Plan. And so uh-huh. I'm mid-50s now. And so uh-huh. um, I'm the end of the baby boomers, basically. And so so what's my exit strategy going to be? Mm-hmm. The normal thing would be to sell it to some multinational. And I would make a lot of money. And the best people would leave soon after. The mission would be gone. They wouldn't be doing any of this, <laughs> right? Because mm-hmm. it's not as lucrative as curing problems. Right. Afterwards, right? Yeah. So then if it's going to continue, then the best way to do it is actually sell it to the employees. Mm-hmm. And so starting last year, like a year ago, we started selling 5% a year. We're going to do that for mm-hmm. 10 years. So after 10 years, I'll still be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably after 10 years, you know, we have a leadership team. I'll, I'll probably transition at some point during that process to the next person who's going to lead it. And then I can gradually scale back my time and whatnot, maybe work more on the safe water or whatever else, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of my gradual exit plan. And so what we're doing is we're selling 5% a year. So we have an accountant figure out what the company's worth every year. And whatever that is, that's what they pay. And uh, interestingly, about 90% of our staff have chosen to buy. Okay. Wow. That's a significant buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, like the nice thing is too, because we started in COVID, Mm -hmm. uh, we had a horrible year economically. Mm. And so the value of our company is depressed now and will be depressed for about five years because the way okay. they figure out what your company's worth is based, you know, on what you've made for the last okay. five years. So, right? so five percent of a depressed company is um, less expensive to purchase. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Because I think it went up, I don't know, more than fifty percent this year. The value of the share. Wow. Right. Just because of this formula, or whatever. So, and yeah. it's going to keep going up just until that works its way out of the system. So, mm-hmm. in that sense, it's a pretty good investment, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's an investment under your own control, right? Mm-hmm. It's part of your own retirement plan, basically, is to mm-hmm. own this thing. And you get the ownership mentality and a lot of the other aspects we're talking about in our development work, you can get here, right? Where you know, everybody yes. now views it, you know, they're an owner of the company, right? Mm-hmm. And, so we're back to that that buy-in again, right? Exactly. You treat, yeah. it, treat it differently if you've got some investment in it. Exactly. Some of your own yep. uh, capital involved, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Bruce, I can imagine someone, a business owner, listening to this conversation and saying, I love what Bruce is doing. 
I have no idea where to start. How how do I get somewhere moving in a direction that would be similar to the kind of environment that you've created? What tips would you have for someone? So I guess like EnviroStewards, like I guess it's different if you're starting something fresh yourself, right? So EnviroStewards mm-hmm. is starting from scratch. And so right. in that context, it really basically reflects the gifting and ability that God's given me, mm-hmm. right? If I was doing something else, I, we wouldn't be doing as well, okay. right? So, yeah. you know, I have this capacity to walk through any facility and find hundreds of thousands of savings, mm-hmm. but it's not going to get implemented because I need, don't know why it's not implemented now. The rest of the job mm-hmm. is to figure out who the 10 stakeholders are. Can mm-hmm. we change this in this way and that kind of bring in that? So, that's kind of the process. So, Envirostorage kind of reflects that. And so, we had it a bit easy that way and it started just me so I can put whatever mm-hmm. mission and vision I want to start with and then gradually sure. we had revisioning. So, if it's an existing one, I would say, take a look at what you do. Say like I did mentoring at uh, Communitech to some social ventures before, but mm-hmm. I would love to mentor the non-social ventures. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing and what what economic, environmental, social impact could you have if you use the same thing differently? Mm-hmm. Right? You know, like, A, you can make another app to find a restaurant in Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Right? Or B, yep. could that same thing be used, you know, in, in a development context or, you know, save lives or something else, right? Sure. Because B, even if you're not a social venture, especially if you're in the tech, you can work anywhere mm-hmm. on the planet right now tomorrow Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. so if you want to keep people you need this impactful work right right and so uh it's it's to your advantage even if you didn't have the altruistic but you know if you had the altruistic it's even better right of Mm -hmm. making this impact so that's what i would you know find out what you can do with your organization to actually make an impact and that's going to align Mm -hmm. your people around that impact Mm -hmm. right it would be the key thing um other things that could help so b corporation movement is very interesting so, we're a founding Canadian B Corporation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a third-party certification that your company is good for society and the environment. And it's a tough certification, so most people can't certify, but it, it's very… Can I just pause you for yeah. one second there? Yeah. Um, just to make sure that I caught that. It's good for society and environment. That's yeah. the, the goal of the certification is to show that your company is good for society yeah. and environment. Yeah. Gotcha. And you, okay. and you actually even modify your articles in corporation so that when you make your decisions, mm. you don't consider just the stake the shareholder you consider the other stakeholders in your decision making mm-hmm. okay. which in canada we had more leniency but in the states they have kind of more fiduciary responsibilities and whatnot otherwise mm-hmm. whereas this lets them around that so mm-hmm. an example would be three of the people who started this b corp movement had a clothing company called and one they made basketball shoes and stuff like that right mm-hmm. i forget let's say it's a 150 million dollar company or something like that and they're selling it Mm-hmm. So, according to the laws down there, they had to sell it to the highest bidder. If hmm. they didn't, they would make less on their own shares, which they were willing to do, but they'd have to make back the difference on everybody else's shares because mm. of this responsibility. Okay. They knew that the top bidder, you know, wasn't good for the company. Uh-huh. But they had to sell it to them anyway, which they did. And then the company itself went, I forget the journey, you can find it, but 150 million, 100 million, 50 million, you know. $10 million uh-huh. company or whatever, all the best people left and all these kinds of things. So, it wasn't even good for the company itself. And that's the mm. thing you find is that these sustainable companies do much better than their peers. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a publicly traded company trying to improve the next quarter isn't competing just with their competitors. They're competing with themselves. They're competing okay. with themselves next quarter. Right. 
right? Let's have yeah. a fire sale. We'll make the numbers look good this one. And then next next quarter, your customers all have a warehouse full of your product, right? right. That they got discounted. Why are they going to buy more? So they're not yeah. even good for their own company by maximizing the short term. But kind mm-hmm. of the incentives are there for the executives to, you know, you're measured by how much you do this quarter. Mm-hmm. And so that's why these sustainable companies do much better. We did a company, they were moving to Elmira from Waterloo. Mm-hmm. And we said, can we look at your blueprints? Sure. We cut the gas in half from what was on the blueprints. Wow. Right? Because, yes. hey, it's a new build. We want to minimize the initial cost. Well, if you want to minimize the initial cost, you're maximizing the total cost. Yeah. Because you're putting the cheapest, flimsiest, most inefficient thing in because that's the cheapest thing for the design mm-hmm. builder to put in. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to run it afterwards, you would never do that. So we just yeah. make the case for them and say, hey, we did one in Indiana. We said, if you buy this rooftop instead of that one, it's fifteen thousand dollars more, but you're going to cut your air conditioning by a third. Right? So long term, your <laughs> <Yeah>. savings is <laughs> ridiculously higher. Than, exactly. Yeah, but it's going to cost yeah. you more upfront. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you. I think those are those are practical, helpful tips. I am curious too, just as we wrap up our time here. Mm-hmm. What are some of the pieces that you would like to leave our listeners with today? If you were thinking about, this is one or two things I really want people to walk away with. What would you like to wrap up with? Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, from the perspective of say the entrepreneurs or the business managers, I guess, Mm -hmm. I would say, take a good look at your organization and what could it be doing to make an impact, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. The same thing you're doing or the same service or modification of it, what could you do with it? to make a greater mm-hmm. impact because mm-hmm. there's so many other benefits of doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other is, you know, you're responsible for the people in your organization. And so because of that, you need to find a model that thrives, right? So mm-hmm. you need to m- make sure you have enough cash flow to make it work, right? If you're going to run a business like this, you need a different business model than your peers mm-hmm. because they've maximized the uh, financial leg by beating it out of all their suppliers, their employers, and all that kind of stuff. If you want to create economic, environmental, and social value, you can't compete with the same model. Right. So actually, if you want to find innovation, you actually have to look to the social ventures. Mm-hmm. Because if they're alive, it's because they're doing something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you one example from another B Corp. It's called Grayston Bakery in Yonkers, New York. Mm-hmm. So their hiring policy is if you go in the lobby and you write your name on a list, they will hire you. <laughs> That's the whole process? Yep. Interesting. No interview, okay. no background yeah. check, no criminal background check, no nothing, right? When they get to that name, they hire you. Yeah, what's the thinking behind that? It's called open hiring. And mm-hmm. go to YouTube, you'll find some videos you know, of their employees. Uh-huh. They now have some of the most dedicated employees you can have on the planet, right? I I've got out of jail. Nobody else would give me a shot. You know, They gave yeah. me a shot. It's up to me whether or not I had it worked out, but at least I got a shot. Yes. Right. And, you know, as you know, from your Mm -hmm. other work that, you know, employment is so key to exiting Mm -hmm. poverty and everything else. Right. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to provide that service. And so I think they say they don't hire people to make brownies. They make brownies to hire people. Mm. And they make the brownies for the Ben and Jerry's ice cream, basically. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so you find these innovative models. So that's why I like you know, this B Corp movement is um, you're around people like this. You know, they're in completely mm-hmm. different fields, but they found you're not competing to, you know, how do we prevent increases to minimum wage? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I want to pay a living wage or more, right? Why would yes. I advocate for the opposite, right? Whereas yeah. everybody you meet there is inspiring. They've found some way to use their benefit, their business to benefit people mm-hmm. in the society, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, our company's called Enviro Stewards. So God has tasked us with stewarding the environment even mm-hmm. before the fall, right? Mm-hmm. And so, how do we make best use of what we've been entrusted with? Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much, Bruce. This has been such a creative and inspiring time together. Really appreciate you. And I would just say to our audience, if you are interested in exploring what your next steps could be, or you'd like to find out more about Enviro Stewards or FH Canada, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources. 